Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So those gummy Albany's bears attempt to have different oh, and you, you can you can taste the difference. Those were a big hit this weekend with the inclement weather. Sister-in-law discovered them, and the little the little Bootsy has just has now had has a sweet tooth. And mom goes off to the cabin and tries to uh, to sneakily open the bag, <laughs> and he stood there just pointing, <laughs> pointing. <laughs> This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So the Albany's gummy bears in your house, they're the hit. There's a texture Not to them. Haribo. They taste like something. Right. Haribo tastes like something. What it thing? just tastes the same. <laughs> like no flavors, different colors. So we, we went through well, the pediatrician's office yesterday, and I saw a bag, an open bag of Haribos, and I just sort of scoffed really? and wanted to say, let me, let me give you a piece of advice. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there is something better. Got this great email from Justin Johnson in Arlington, Virginia. Let me get this straight. There was a three-judge panel that issued the decision on Djokovic. You're saying three judges, <laughs> three opinion, one verdict? Hot, hot bench. bench. <laughs> hot oh, bench. Is yeah. hot bench still on the air? I'm sure it is. Is that what you miss the most about going downtown? Yeah, to hot watch bench. Hot Bench. It used to make me so happy to watch it. I will check on that. I believe it. I used to it watch is. it in the makeup room, Hot Bench. I loved it. The cathedral that is the makeup room. Yeah. I mean, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, hot appears bench. To, yeah, Renee and Jackie would put on Hot Bench for me. It's still on. It three appears o'clock, to be. Three uh, o'clock ABC. Uh, I'm. It doesn't say on that. Okay. I just say there's a local story that'd be great for Hot Bench. The missing jewelry and the this art is, thief. Let me just say this. I don't know if you people can get the Washington Post online. It is worth subscribing to for this one for story. this one story by Paul Schwartzman that I read last night and immediately emailed um, Jeannie. I said, read this story, and Jeannie loved this story. It posits, let me just, let me set this up. An, an old couple, a couple in their 70s. I'm in my 70s, I would call myself old. A couple in their 70s, not married to each other, but living together for a long time in a lovely home in Georgetown, owned by the woman in this circumstance. This woman passes away. The man, and I don't know his legal rights, I'm sure that he could get a lawyer to say we cohabitated for X amount of time and it was as if we were married, so I have, he has legal rights to the house. They did have a signed document about his rights with, as a boarder of the house. Right. So he is, apparently pays rent each month or claims to pay rent. He's still living there, much to the chagrin of one of the children of the deceased who has brought a lawsuit claiming that this man is a thief, is a jewel thief. Such great, <laughs> such a great idea that he's a jewel thief and that he has stolen not just, this man has stolen not just from the accuser's mother, but other people as well for years and years and years. This man, by the way, is said to be a law professor in Europe, and said to have something to do with Georgetown University. I don't know. Visiting if he's professor. A, so he's so now Jeannie reads this, and Jeannie, the first thing Jeannie says is the first thing I think. Do we know how the woman died? Right. Do we know how the woman died? Because maybe she died not of natural causes. Maybe this guy killed her. To be in your mid to late late seventies, right? To be a jewel thief with apparently some history of shady acquisitions of jewelry. Now he's selling jewelry, he's selling clothing, he's, he's doing things that to be fair, 
any of us would do. If we're alone now and we have all this property, we might very well sell it. Sure. We might not give it away. But he, but he we visits, might sell it to consignment yeah, shops. Yeah, he, he visits a high end consignment shop. He's not shop selling it, it from his car. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's sort of downsizing. It's you know the the glassware, the the smaller pieces that you'd accumulate over a lifetime. It's just odd when you walk into the Read shop the story. with a printout of the obituary as if you're walking into the DMV with proof of ID. Just read the story. It's it's it's, it's a great story. It's going to make a great movie. Oh yes. The guy who wrote this story, I hope he's got the rights to it. Well, then because the, it's going to make a great The son finds movie. out a written letter where the mom has, has sort of shared her fears. That she thinks he's a thief. Of this man, but that she still recognizes she prefers to be with him because she enjoys the travel and the camaraderie, which you can see as an, as an older person. How do person, the great jewel thieves work? Out. Right. The jewel thieves work by, it's a confidence game. That's how they do it. When they finally get to steal the jewelry... It's because they've covered all the angles. They know how you're going to react. They're taking your jewelry. <laughs> They're not breaking into your house in the middle of the night. Right. They're smarter than Great that. Great pictures of some family heirlooms. A lovely brooch that I was sort of eyeing for Liz. Yeah. Uh, but and, We can buy it out of Georgia. This, yeah. <laughs> right. The side story where he's, he's allegedly stealing jewelry when they go to dinner parties At up people's in the homes Hamptons. In yes. Newport. Well, and, a, and they find out there's an older gentleman who is upstairs Quote, admiring the, the woodwork. woodwork. The woodwork. It's fan fantastic woodwork here. Oh, am I now, lost? There's no, yes. a, as of yet, there's been no statement by the accused or the accused counsel. As of yet. There's going to be something. But why would you go to the consignment shop in Georgetown where you are recognized? Someone sees him on the street because instead of just going over the, onto the other side of the river and going to Alexandria. Because you feel it's foolproof because you've been with this woman for so long and everybody thinks you're married and you're doing the right thing and you're not trying to hold people up for money. You're just going to take what they give you. Sure. You know, and there's so much of it. And it's not like he's just, you know, as a yard sale. It's like everybody come in and I'm gonna, everything must go today. You do drips and drabs as yeah. you need it. The son just wants that martini glass back. Yeah, the Steuben martini yeah. glasses. Yeah, from his grandfather. So this is, you know, it's not like he's making a pile of dough. He's not selling Rembrandts. Right. Right? It's 25 grand here and 50 grand here and 75 grand here. And yes, that mounts up. But it allows him to live in this particular lifestyle to which he has become accustomed. Again, I don't, guilt or innocence, I don't know. Jeannie's way ahead of me. Way ahead of me. Well, I think Jeannie's assuming guilt. Nancy Drew. I think she's assuming guilt. What Are you assuming guilt? It, I, you know what? I need to look into it more. Uh, it definitely doesn't look good from the outside, mm. especially, you know, that story. Well, the like, source of the story, though, is the, is the younger yes. son yeah, so you need some, trying to make this work. Right. That's the source. Right. I love the sensationalism of so of course I'm like yeah what's going on But with true. his professional background you think he's just covering up his steps all along the way so it can just be hearsay It's a really good story it Paul is. Schwartzman it's a really good story I saw it online I don't know that it's in the paper yet physically I don't know um, what did I want to talk about today I know it's it, this is Wednesday is a terrible day by the way to do PTI There's nothing there's not much going there's on There's nothing Well you can't beat yesterday's vest Yeah that vest I got one nice compliment on it, but then that, uh, you know, I got people telling me my hats were no good. What are you going to do? So Wednesday, you're sort of stuck. Everyone loves football. Yes. But Wednesday, when there's no Thursday game, you can't talk about football. You can't talk about hockey. No. It's so niche. Baseball's out. Yeah. There's nothing. By, by the way, can we... Um, 
can we, and by we, I mean me, can I congratulate some people for winning this year awards from the National Sports Media Association? Jeff Passan was named Sports Writer of the Year. Very happy. I called him last night to congratulate him. Scott Van Pelt and Ernie Johnson were named Sports Casters of the Year. Happy for them. Both wonderful people and tall. Yes. Both tall. And the one that pleases, well, Jackie McMullen winning Lifetime Achievement, Hall of Fame, sports writing, which is great as far as I'm concerned. And my friend Curry Kirkpatrick, long overdue, winning National um, Hall of Fame stuff. And Curry, who lives in South Carolina, in Hilton Head, I said, you should really go. It's in Winston-Salem. It's on the campus of Wake Forest. You should go. And he said, I had two daughters graduate from Wake. I think I know the landscape there. I think I'll probably go. So I'm happy for him. So anyway, so we have, on PTI, all you have is the NBA. And I, I'm sorry, January midweek games, Tuesday night games in the NBA with an 82-game schedule, none of these games in the regular season mean anything. And you're always saying the same thing. Well, I wonder how they'll do in the playoffs. I wonder, and you don't know. And so that's pretty much what you get. I was given a story. This was very surprising to me um, because I grew up loving basketball, and I wanted to cover pro basketball. I love basketball, still do to this day. Although here's my problem with pro basketball. The players are too good. This is the sort of thing where you know how Theo Epstein looks at baseball and tries to initiate movements that will make the game more competitive, less strikeouts, less home runs, more people on base. How do we achieve that? How do we achieve doubles and triples more than home runs? How do we get base runners on? How do we work to get baseball back in a motion game? Somebody needs to do this for basketball because the players are too good. They're being guarded. They're being guarded. There is defense in the league. The rules allow people to take too many steps. The rules allow people to initiate contact in bad ways. But these guys are so great. They're such great players that nobody stops anybody. They're always making baskets. Do you change the rule? Like people come out of their seats on dunks. What if you made a dunk one point? What if you made a dunk one point? Then people wouldn't dunk anymore. Then they'd have to shoot. I mean, is there a way to reward shooting but make it harder at the same time? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not into the schematic of basketball. I just know when I watch. Do you people feel this way? When I watch, the players are too good now. And, and you They're look too at good. You the look excellence at, level's too high. You look at sort of the modern game right now, and it, and it always was. You don't have to watch an NBA game till the fourth quarter, Ooh. and then it really became. You don't have to watch the NBA at all until the playoffs. Yeah. And then with social media and all that, you sort of started to say, "Well, I can ISO on certain players." People or drives, consume highlights, not dumb. games. Yeah, yes. and that's the highlight game. Yes. The ratings, the ratings of the games. But aren't you see good. this across every sport. You look at numbers. I was watching with golf recently, which is for a top level PGA Tour player from about 170 yards, they get in three shots for a scratch golfer. So you look at me. I'm getting to that number from about 90 yards in, which is a flip wedge for these guys. And that's how different, you know, the best players in the world are from the best amateurs you might ever see. And you just look at how the game at all these levels just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. The level of excellence in sports, you know, and it's, I don't know. I think basketball is consumed as a highlight sport more than a full game sport. 
I mean, I understand why ESPN promotes basketball. ESPN owns the broadcast rights, 50% of the broadcast rights. So they're going to pump basketball whenever they can. But I don't know if the the NFL ratings are through the roof. Yes. They're through the roof. I don't know that that's true for other sports at the moment. I was given a, a story which said that of the top 100, the top 100 watched sports events in 2020 or 2021, I'm 21. not sure which year. 21. Like 75, right? 100. None were NBA games. None. Really? It's football. It's all football. Football's dominant. College and pro football is dominant. So when we head into the offseason, what do I want to do on PTI? And I know Michael say, well, you're just protecting the shield. Okay. But what do I want to do? Because I think viewers watch it. Talk about the NFL. <laughs> Talk about football. Sure. Sure, that's what I want to do. And, well, and the, and the, some of that stuff with the NBA is sort of like the, the sort of pre-pandemic living, particularly the way you consume a baseball game or an NBA game, which would be it was an event that you could go to. For NBA, uh, these are primarily downtown arenas that you could often get to through public transportation. You meet up somebody after work. You might meet up for you know a beer. And go drink. to the game. You go to the game. Go you to talk the game. to the people yep. in the row behind you. You talk yep. about the shared yep. experience. Yep. And then you could look up for the fourth quarter or for that for that big play. Yep. The NFL's not like that. You're, you're sort of going in a small group and you're consuming Fewer it. games. It's the fewer games. The, the, where Mike is right, it's, you know, you'd say to yourself, well, let's have 25 games because people love it. It's no. no. There is diminishing return. You have to find the exact number of games. The NBA has too many games. The NHL has too many games. Oddly, baseball is okay because it's been doing this for 100 years. The NFL is becoming, they're going on the verge of having too many games. 16 was a great number. It's not going to stay at 17. It's going to go to 18. You, you hurt your labor force. I don't know. They have done something very clever with the way they've spaced out like off-season events. So it seems like every few weeks there's something big going on, whether it's yeah. free agency, camps opening up, or anything like that. The draft, you know. So so year round, it's it's a topic to discuss. You know. Well, I mean, the NBA has you know great individual players that you can see because they're not wearing helmets. Yeah. Um, and you can relate to to their great abilities, and you can be thrilled by the entertainment value of it. But when you have 82 regular season games and you play in three a week, and everybody knows that the playoffs are all that matters, it's tough. Unless you're a season ticket holder, these small amounts of people per city, it's tough to care. I mean, it's tough to care. Now, some of this is just a calendar issue for you, where you look at what happens when you get to late January because yeah. you really have the NFL. You haven't started to have, like, have you watched a college basketball game yet? No, have not. I mean, I, you're going paid to any attention. You're seeing nothing but college basketball games. I just can't really get myself to no, watch it. No, because the NFL is still on. Yeah. This is why every sport runs away from counter-programming with the NFL. Right. Yeah. Because the NFL dominates, just dominates. All right, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, Sally Jenkins will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. Whether it's finding a signature color, wearing a more flattering cut, or getting a new statement piece, the right detail can take your wardrobe up a notch. This year, let Indochino take care of your 2022 style edit. You can customize everything from shirts and suits to chinos and bomber jackets. I'm stuck on bomber jackets. I like that. At prices more affordable than you might expect. 
You bought suits. You I think have. about a bomber jacket? I'm thinking very seriously, seriously about a bomber jacket. I've looked them up. They, they look fantastic. And the fact that you can customize them the way you want does not cost you a lot of money, at, and it gets to you very quickly. It's, it's fantastic. It asks, did you shop online or visit a showroom? Describe your experience. <laughs> For those that are unfamiliar with it, uh, I used a piece of rope and a yardstick to do my measurements. Came out perfect, and uh, yeah, the suits fit me like Disclaimer, a Disclaimer that Tony Cornell's show does not recommend that you <laughs> use a yardstick <laughs> yeah. and or a piece of rope. No, you can go to a showroom. Yes. Indochino <laughs> offers completely custom fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly, <coughs> excuse me for coughing, at surprisingly affordable prices. Get a wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without spending a fortune. Every piece is made to your exact measurements, as Nigel said, and you can customize every detail. You can choose everything about your suit, including the fabric, size of the lapel, the monogram. You don't even have to use your own. Use somebody else's monogram. <laughs> Statement linings. You can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. And the best part is that Indochino suits start from just $429. Their shirts from $79. All customizations are included. Give yourself a style edit that sets the tone for the rest of the year with Indochino. You will get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the promo code TONYK at Indochino.com. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Indochino.com. The promo code is TONYK. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is music from J.W. Farrell. This is called Shika Dance. And he writes, I hope you had a great holiday. A friend of mine, Jay Johnson, gave me your email, suggested I reach out to share my new release with you. It's a full-length album called Far From It that we released last month on Benibu Records, B-E-N-I-B-U. It's available on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud. It's a rock and roll album heavily influenced by Bruce Springsteen, Pearl Jam, and Jack White. We're a band out of Astoria in New York City, right by the 59th Street Bridge. But we tour around the Northeast. This is again called Shika Dance, and it plays in Sally Jenkins. And I wanted to have Sally on because nobody, nobody works up a good hatred for something like Sally does. <laughs> I used to try to do it. I used to hate things, but I, not as well as Sally. And if Sally hates anything more than everything else, it's the Olympics. Sally hates the Olympics. And so I just started with this. I wrote this down, Sal. Why are we even having a Winter Olympics? Like, I think it starts at 5 o'clock, and I don't have any idea where it is or why we're having it. Why are we having it? First, I don't hate the Olympics. I love the Olympics. I hate the International Olympic Committee. Two oh, okay. okay. Two different okay. things. Two completely okay. different things. No, look, I love the, the event. I love the athletes. Uh, I write every every two years. I write the same column over and over and over again. I say the athletes cleanse, they purify the Olympics, you know, while um, all the officials kind of muddy things up with all their idiotic decisions, like holding an Olympics in a pandemic. Yeah, it's the second one. Yeah, it's the second one they're holding. What? I mean, you, Sally, where you you live differently than I live. You live far away from me. You. Do your life differently than I do. Nobody I've talked to, and I don't talk to that many people because of the pandemic, but nobody I've talked to even knows there's a Winter Olympics going on. In your life, is this a topic of conversation, Winter Olympics? Well, it's a topic of conversation uh, in my life in the sense that I have many colleagues that are heading down there that, you know, are with right. apprehension. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, then there's the, the, the fact that, you know, we're sending the Olympics to a genocidal nation. 
Um, you <laughs> There's know, that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a baton wielding, you know, cattle prodding, genocidal committing, you know. Uh, I mean, look, I feel like, you know, boycotts work. People don't people don't think they do, but they actually do. Boycotts worked with South Africa. Apartheid, uh, you know, Arthur Ashe and uh, and a lot of other incredibly influential athletes really moved people on apartheid. And same thing should be happening with China, but it's a different era, you know, and a different, um, more... The, the International Olympic Committee at the time actually did some good work against South Africa and apartheid. They ostracized, you know, a rogue criminal nation, and that's what should be happening here. But the current International Olympic Committee is so awash in, in, in bad money that there's nobody going to do that. You know, look at the Peng Shui thing. I mean, they literally have had an athlete kidnapped, you know, in yes. years, uh, disappeared, essentially, or, or partly. I mean, an athlete that appears to be coerced, you know, and the Women's Tennis Association shows more steel than the International Olympic Committee. It's baffling. China is not even selling seats to anybody from outside the country. Um, I, I, I just sort of, I understand it's a television show. I mean, I get that. But I, I, does anybody stand up and say this is a bad idea to have these games there and now? Anybody say well, that? Human human rights organizations say it, but, you know, and, and an occasional politician. I mean, look, a diplomatic boycott, you have to live in, you know, that's what we're having in the yes. United States. The Biden administration's announced a diplomatic boycott, but as, you know, but as a, a former member of the State Department said to me, you have to live in Washington, D.C. to believe, you know, to, to be someone that the word diplomatic boycott doesn't put to sleep. You know, only people inside the Beltway think that's right. you know, any kind of effectual measure. But, uh, Your phone is clicking like crazy. Yeah, let me Can let me get us? her back. Uh, she just yeah. disconnected. Let me try her again. Yeah, her phone was clicking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good, the people that tap her phone. <laughs> it's just the yeah. NSA. The Don't Beltway Insiders. That. Yeah. I yeah. just, I mean, honestly, we'll get her back in a second. I just don't think that there's clamor for this at all. No, well, plus the last Olympics was pushed, so you just had games? An it, hour ago. Right. Yeah. And it does sort of seem like, oh, and by wait, the way, I, there was no clamor for those games. No, there really wasn't. You know, I don't know how the ratings were. I did, The ratings are usually good, but I, there was nobody. I, I never, Wilbon and I never said, did you see that? Right. We didn't even say that. There weren't any of those moments. I mean, he might have said that about basketball because he cares about the basketball, but he didn't say it about anything else, the running or the jumping. Sally, are you back? I am back. Maybe, maybe Good. China did it. Well, yeah, we, we know your phone's being tapped. No question about that. The NHL players, by the way, they, they, they left the Olympics, and they were afraid of this potential quarantine situation where they could keep you on ice for up to six, is it up to six weeks, Sally? Is that what the Chinese government is saying? I, I believe so, but, you know, look, they, they keep a, the, their entire nation on ice. I mean, no, know, they to do. them, you know, that's nothing. Did the summer games do well? We were just talking amongst ourselves. Did they do well, the summer games? I didn't get you know, any sense that they did I well. I mean, they, they did well in the sense that they, they didn't, to my knowledge, spark the, the worldwide uh, spike in death and destruction that, uh, you know, there was some fear bringing right. everyone together in, in Tokyo. 
you know, could do. We were lucky it was summer. I mean, look, the viral loads are lesser. There's all kinds of reasons why, you know, if you were going to do something like this, it was better to do it in, at a summer games than a, a winter games. Um, but, you know, I, look, did they do well? I mean, I don't, not exceptionally. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not – what's – I mean, what's the me- what's the measure? Are you talking about like blockbuster TV ratings, or are you talking? Yeah, about- ratings. I mean, I just I Mike and I never really like we talk all the time, and it wasn't like, did you see that? We say that about games we watch, but we didn't. I don't recall it in the Olympics. I don't recall being. I I recall that what was most important in the Olympics to me and to a lot of people it was actually Simone Biles saying, "I'm done here." I'm well, not right. going to do was, this. It was the one athlete you didn't see compete that became the biggest story, and that was yeah. Simone Biles. Yeah. So that was one peculiarity of of, the, of that Olympics, and Michael Phelps wasn't there. Um, right. And so you you know that was something else that you didn't talk about. Um, but I think also the you know there's this fragmentation of of television presentation in general. Um, there were so many things that were on like the Peacock Network that you had to log into if you wanted to see i mean it was you had to go to so many different places if you wanted to see something that you know the the uh, the presentation of the olympics is so much more scattered than it used to be right um and so now you have these like taped presentations in in prime time if you want to see some kind of prepackaged show but in terms of the presentation of the live events which are what really grab people by the throat you know they, yeah. they were all over the, they were all over the place and so i you know i'm no I, i'm no television executive i can't judge the wisdom of that strategy or the success S- of it streaming is what people mm-hmm. it, see the, this uh, the, the same problem in tokyo is the same problem in china it's a different day for us we're paying the majority of the money to televise these things and we can't really see it live and so when you find out long before sally long before the pre-taped night show is you don't even care as much right you don't even it doesn't matter as much you know the result you've already had the water cooler discussion by the time some of these things come on the prepackaged tv i mean i do know i I do have friends who sort of and i did some of this uh woke up in the middle of the night uh to watch you know the women's soccer to see if they were going to get another gold medal or right you know some events like that or to see when you know when simone biles did compete in her uh in her one event you know stuff like that. You know, you'd set your alarm and wake up at three, four in the morning to to catch it on on a on a streaming you know platform. But I don't know. I mean, the, the Winter Olympics are smaller and less popular anyway. So yes, I don't I don't know yes. what that's going to mean. I mean, I, I do think a big story is is that these big bundled packages that the network paid for. I I, I do think a big story is that. There was some overpayment for some of these rights fees um, with these big non-competitive bids where, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I have a feeling if you stuck a, a truth serum needle in some executives at NBC um, or Comcast, you know, you'd find out, yeah, it's, you know, we're trying to offset here um, some pretty big numbers. Somebody's pockets are lined very well on this. Can I get to Djokovic for a second? Can I, can yeah, I move it to Djokovic? Sure. Djokovic was deported. Deported. This is, is amazing to me. Yeah, and, and see if it's you get amazing. deported. So now under the law in Australia, he's not supposed to come back for three years. And he won he's more deported. Australians, you know, he's won more Australian Opens than any other Grand Slam. And so the question is going to become, 
does the Australian government really stick to that draconian edict as well? So, it's amazing to be deported. Like, athletes are not amazing. deported. It's, it's, it's such a, it's a technical it's, word that means something. So it's a wow, right? It's a wow. Right. It means you're there you know, like really illegally, that you're doing something that is a threat to the country or that is, you know, so illegal that the government can't let it stand. And, you know, let's face it, I don't think any of those things happened in his case. I think that's going, you know, declaring him officially deported is, I think, going a bit too far. But there's no question he took a stupid risk that his people messed it up, that he was not entirely straightforward. He was a lie lied. That, he lied for convenience. Yeah. He lied. And so I think right? the Tennis Australia, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were all trying to pull a fast one to get him in and uh, and let him play uh, by not following the same rules as everybody else. So, yeah, that's a lie. So I'm, lies, I'm watching TV this morning. Yeah. Oh, in his case, when he says this is an innocent mistake, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That was a, a total no, this... calibrated lie. So I'm watching TV this morning, and I see this crawl that says, Tennis Australia apologizes for the distraction. And I go, What? You did it. What do you mean you apologize? You did this the whole way, Tennis Australia, right? Tennis Australia is the protagonist in this. Djokovic is, a, is the lead character, but Tennis Australia did this. Did they not? Am I, do I have this wrong, Sal? No, no, you're exactly right. I mean, they, Tennis Australia was the one who encouraged him to go ahead and do this. Yes, you know? yes. They, I, I'm pretty sure Djokovic doesn't do this unless he feels pretty assured by the, the tournament. Uh, director that you know he he can get away with it that he can do it you know because otherwise look who wanted to stay in that hotel you know who wanted to stay like a refugee in a hotel and then get kicked out you know that again I'm, I'm baffled by how many people uh messed it up so badly on so many different fronts you know uh it, it just was a mess at every level so level. let me look forward for a second, and, and everybody who listens to this show or watches PTI knows I'm no fan of Djokovic, so, but let's look forward. Australia said over a month before the tournament, don't come here if you're not vaccinated. And Djokovic is, if nothing else, a riotous anti-vaxxer. We all understand that. France now appears to be taking this position. What happens right. in France? Well, France is saying we have our rules and you'll follow them. You know, it's put the spotlight so squarely on him now that it's really going to complicate his appearance at every other Grand Slam because, you know, yes. what's the big issue going into the tournament going to be? Uh, you know, is Djokovic going to be in the draw? And so this is going to this story is going to repeat itself now four times. I'm sorry, three more times um, this year for him, which is going to you know be distracting for everybody again for the entire tournament field and. And for Djokovic himself, and so here's a guy trying to get his 21st Grand Slam, and you know, not ideal circumstances, right? But again, it's self-inflicted. It's self-inflicted by Djokovic and his agents, and it's self-inflicted by uh, tournament directors who did not make it clear to him that there will be no exceptions. You know, all these guys put their heads together and said, "Oh, we've got this goofy guy, you know, who's one of the big three. You know, we'll have to do a workaround." And guess what? You know, people right now, the audience and the rest of the field, workarounds enrage them because there's, the rest of us are not doing workarounds. We're following the rules. We're making the sacrifices. You know, I've been to one live sports event in two years. Not my ideal situation either, right? But I'm doing it. And, you know, people, as I wrote in the column in the Washington Post, 
actually quoting Fintan O'Toole, who is the greatest columnist on the face of the earth. He wrote for the Irish Times and The Guardian. And, uh, and he basically said, you better not ever let people who are making sacrifices think that they are the real sacrifice. And that's what Djokovic did. He made, he made it look like he was willing to sacrifice everyone else in the field and everyone in the audience for his personal uh, goal. Not a good look. If people don't appreciate it, appreciate it. His chances of being a great popular champion, which he's really craved, are done. Done. They're done. This is a legacy moment. Doesn't matter how many he wins. They'll all, I, this will always follow him. It's in the first paragraph, not the third. It's in the first paragraph, Sal, right? It's in the first. Right. I mean, you know, there's some champions that, that in tennis that are, uh, the minute you say their name, you know, you're followed with a blast of goodwill, right? Arthur Ashe, Billie Jean King. And there's some that are followed by a blast of sort of, you know, a little bit of repulsion. Big Bill Tilden, right? Um, and even Jimmy Connors, you know, uh, yep. not a, yep. you know, you, you, a great, great, great fighter, great champion. Uh, I don't know how nice a guy he was, right? And, right. Um, and um, you know, Djokovic, I think, is a nice guy in a lot of other ways uh, and an intelligent one. But, yeah, I mean, legacy, you know, Novak Djokovic, ooh, you know, uh, mixed legacy. Thank you, Sal. Talk to Thank you soon. Thank you, Tony. Okay. Sally Jenkins. Love Sally Jenkins. She's the best. Let's take a break. When we come back, Chuck Todd will join us. He'll pick games. He had another very good week. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the True Bill ad. This is new to us, True Bill. This is the first time I'm seeing this, and it says, please feel free to ad-lib the introduction with a personalized story. Okay, just let me start to read for a while. <laughs> Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill, T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L, -L, to take control of your subscriptions. I have a few subscriptions. I don't have a lot of subscriptions. But every once in a while, I what get What was my, that expiration date again? Well, I get the American Express bill, yeah. you know? Right. And if I see something I don't want anymore, I dump it. But most people aren't like me. Most people don't even look at their bills. Put it on the back burner. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people will save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there. Whoa. How about that? Concierge for Truebill. <laughs> that person's there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save them over $100 million. Like Matthew B. They write this in. Matty B. Is that Matt Barry from ESPN? Could be Matt Barnes. Could be Matt Barnes. Matthew B. who says, and I'm quoting this fella now, if he's real, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my direct TV bill. Saved $120 for the year on my Sirius XM bill. Saved $840 a year on car insurance, to which I would say, Matthew B., what have you been doing? He's got, the, he's got the premium package. What are you getting? <laughs> Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Tony K. Go right now. Right now. <laughs> Truebill.com slash Tony K. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash Tony K. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. 
For the second time today, we have music from J.W. Farrell. This is from the album called Far From It, and this is called Music for the End of the World. Michael, if people like J.W. Farrell want to send us their original music, and sometimes they do, how do they go about doing it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. Plays in Chuck Todd. I'm going to read this email from Keith in Indiana. Watching Chuck Todd and James Carville on Meet the Press this morning, this refers to last Sunday, I couldn't help but think that not only would that have been the perfect time for you to walk in the background, <laughs> but it would have been a golden opportunity for Reginald to weigh in on infrastructure and inflation. Missed opportunities all around. I, I don't understand why you don't get Reginald to do a walkthrough. I really don't. He's got very little to do. Trust me, there's plenty of monkeys that seem to monkey around on my show, so you never know. Maybe Reginald is. Imagine that. He's the gremlin, yeah. Let's do this again, what we did last week. Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd. Five and one. Here are Chuck Todd's last five weeks. Five and two, five and two, five and two, four and three. I'm sorry, four and one. 24 and 10 in the last five weeks. Now 70, 61 and one, which means because there's only seven games left. If you bet with Chuck Todd, even if he loses all seven, you make money this year. This is a big stretch run for you. This is like the Kansas City Chiefs. Big <laughs> no, stretch big. run, don't I you think? A, I do. I got a 900 number I'm going to be unveiling later this week. <laughs> all my five-star gold picks. You know, you can get them first before it drops on the Tony Kornheiser show. This is, it's just very impressive. It's just well, it's, very uh, impressive. You should hope you do, or, or it's Darwinism, it's evolution. Hopefully, <laughs> you, know, you get a little bit better as the week goes on, right? You're supposed to learn these teams, you hope. I, I, I misspoke. It was 5-1 and one last week. So it's 5-2, 5-2, 5-2, 4-3, 5-1 and for 24-10. and 10. I mean, yes, yes, you're right. You're supposed to get better. You're supposed to internalize what's going on. By the end, you should be as good as you're going to be. But not right. everybody is. No, the I, monkey. I, I, hey, the monkey refs, went one and two. Those, yeah, those refs at Cincinnati—they prevented me from getting a six and zero. That's right. Field goal. Yeah, that they four, did. that seven becomes a four. <clears throat> you know, I'm just saying. And then it's five and a half points for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. So, do the games get harder? I'm not sure that the games get harder. Maybe they get harder. I'm not exactly sure. I'll, we'll look back and we'll see. But let's give you the games. Let's start with the Cincinnati. Line be tighter. They should be all tighter because there's fewer games and everybody should, in in theory, have so much information that the line should be almost perfect line. One would think, and there's only yeah. one big number at San Francisco, and that, mm-hmm. and you're a Green Bay fan, so you know what I'm going to say, and I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But San Francisco beats Green Bay in the playoffs. They beat yes, they Aaron Rodgers all the time in the playoffs. Let's start. We'll just go in order of the games being played. Cincinnati. Um, which won a division leading to a Joe Burrow cigar and won a playoff game leading to a Joe Burrow cigar leading to Wilbon <laughs> saying, I'd like to punch him in the throat. <laughs> Wilbon doesn't think Joe Burrow is ready for cigars. They are at Tennessee. Tennessee got the week off. Derrick Henry is, we don't know. We don't know if he's going to play, but there's no reason to believe he's not going to play at this point because they haven't told us that. Tennessee, the number one seed, traditionally the number one seeds win at least their first game. If you like Cincinnati in this circumstance, you get three and a half. You know, 
it's amazing the lack of respect Tennessee's getting as a one seed. I believe the odds are shorter to bet on the Chiefs winning the AFC and the Bills winning the AFC than it is Tennessee for some reason. Yes, I'll you know? bet. I believe just, that. Yeah. There's just that kind of lack of respect. I think this line's a little short. I think Tennessee's this, – this is – I think Cincinnati's gone as far as they should go. Me too. This young team. Yeah, I think this is uh, – they got where they needed to be. They'll get a little bit better next year. Watch out for them next year. Thanks for playing. Give me Tennessee and the points. It's uh, it's it, uh, I. That doesn't mean we're right, but right. I totally agree. They've exceeded all expectations. They're happy. They can go home now, and Tennessee yeah. can move on. Go San Francisco is. Yeah, San Help predict. Yeah, but. Do, and that's right. But getting Jamar Chase was better than getting an offensive lineman for a year. Yeah, that was right. the right call. Yeah, yeah normally the San Bengals Francisco make the wrong call. Yeah, no, they, they didn't this time. Yeah, 49ers getting six at Green Bay. That's reasonable. Green Bay's a better team. You think Green Bay's a better team? You know Green Bay has a better quarterback. You know there's an enormous, potentially enormous advantage in the weather in Green Bay that the Packers are at least mm-hmm. used to. But there is a history of San Francisco in the playoffs, recent years, beating Aaron Rodgers. I think it's 3-0. and I think it's 3-0, and right? I, I was at the last game of Candlestick. It's playoff for football, playoff game. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick just ran all over the Packers uh, on that game. They're, they were, they've, been, they've been sort of Packer kryptonite in the playoffs. Yep. I just think six is too much. I think they do win. I think the Packers win this game. Um, when does Aaron Rodgers, co- you know, when, when do they cover these big numbers? And, and that's another thing that even when they win, that I, I wouldn't surprise me if they were up twenty to three at halftime and won the game twenty three to twenty or t- something like that. So um, that's too many points. I'll take and, and maybe I'm trying to suck myself out as a fan too. But give me San Francisco on the points. Okay. The I'll, next I'll game admit is I'm the not Rams. Fully thinking, I might be thinking as a fan. You know, the double jinx. That's fair. Rather lose the That's fair. Again, 70-61-1. You made it. It's over. You're going to yeah. win all year. You're going to win. Even with the Vegas. Unless we put Even in a new Vegas. category, yeah. playoff category. Yeah. You know. There you go. Yeah. Rams at Tampa Bay. Rams, a potential Super Bowl team because of all the moves that they've made, all the stars that they've gotten. Tampa Bay, an actual Super Bowl team, an actual Super Bowl winner with the greatest quarterback of all time playing at home, and maybe get Leonard Fournette back. Maybe. I don't know. This is the one game, if you asked me, not with the number, if you asked me what underdog might win, this is the one that I would say might win, the L.A. Rams. But we have seen the Rams stink, you know, come out of a big game, great game like they had against Arizona and be terrible the next week. So I don't know. But if you like the Rams here, you get three. You know, I got the feeling both Tampa and Green Bay – did not get the teams they wanted to play, right? I mean, when you look, right, Green Bay, there was no doubt San Francisco was the, the toughest potential first game they could play. Forget. That's right. Um, I, I, you know, if they, somehow Dallas had won, they'd have played winner Rams, Cardinals, and I think the Rams will melt down. If they get to Green Bay, they won't win in Green Bay. But there's something, there's something off with Tampa, um, right? You can feel it. You can see it. It just doesn't feel the same. So, uh, and the and the Rams just match up well with them. They can bring a pass rush to Brady. So I uh, I'm with this one. Feels like they could win it. I, I I agree. I think this is the this is one where I 
would pick the Rams to win the game, but I'll definitely take the points. So here is something that you need to pay attention to. The Rams played, the, not the Rams, the Bucks played the Eagles last week. Eagles are okay. That's all. See, they're not better mm-hmm. than okay. In the last three times that Tom Brady dropped back to pass on third down, they sacked him. And one of those linemen, Wirfs, is not going to play this week. He just couldn't even get on the field. And they may mm-hmm. lose another offensive lineman. The Rams have Aaron Donald and Von Miller. They got household names back there. That's what would worry me. And yeah. Bruce Arians needs to come up with a different game plan. And Bruce Arians spends most of his time trying to hit his players in the head with his open hand. And, you know, I, when Bruce Arians last week, Chuck, didn't go for the field goal at the end to make it absolutely impossible for the other team to win, I thought, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you a coach in the league? And he's got a Super Bowl ring. He does, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's something... You know, there's two types of coaches that get Super Bowl rings. There's Bill Belichick, and then there's guys like Mike McCarthy. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 Arian, Arians feels like, you know, oh, okay. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, let's see what he let's see how he how he does this week. This week will go a long way, I think, in in deciding how good a coach yeah. he is. The last game of the weekend is the smallest number. It's a replay of last year's AFC Championship game, though it's not an AFC Championship game. It's Buffalo at Kansas City. Josh Allen looked great. If you liked the way Josh Allen looked, if you stayed on television for a little while, you could see how Mahomes looked, and he looked even better. Now, uh, these, are, these are potentially, both of these teams are potential Super Bowl winners. There's no question about that. You would not say that about every team that I've mentioned so far. Both of these teams are potential Super Bowl winners. It's a two-point game. Um, it's almost a, a line you throw out, and you pick the winner in this game. Buffalo, if you want them, you get two. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, it, it, the, the only reason I want to go on Kansas City is everybody else feels like they're on Josh Allen. There is this, oh, my God, he's on another level, right? Um, and that, that's my only instinct of why, and, it, and it's Kansas City at home, but this feels like a coin flip game. I mean, this feels yep. like it is going to come down to the last minute. I, I you know, I, if you're going to make me bet, like I said, I, I'm going to bet on Mahomes having two great games in a row before I bet on Allen, simply because Mahomes has done it more often than Allen. But I, I could easily see myself being wrong here, and this could be a, 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 the feel of either a changing of the guard or, oh wow, the Chiefs and Bills are going to be what the Colts and Patriots were in Peyton's heyday, right? Oh, Peyton and Brady are going to alternate this thing every now and then with Ben Roethlisberger sneaking in here. Maybe that's what we're what we're seeing the beginning of, right? That this is the next decade. But yeah, Chiefs just out of there at home. I will go back to what you said at the beginning of this conversation: the lack of respect given to Tennessee. If you lined up people, if you lined up a hundred people, I believe that more than sixty of them if not more than 70 of them, would say of the three teams, Tennessee, Buffalo, and Kansas City, that Tennessee would be the least expected, even though they had the easiest ride, to get to the Super Bowl. I I think that. So let me tell you a fun bet I made this week. This week. I just simply bet that Green Bay and Tennessee, the two one seats, would go to the Super Bowl, and I got 10 to 1. 10 to 1? Yeah, 10 to 1. This on the week, two number ones. On the wow. two one seeds that if you, you know, bet they both have to get there, but I got 10 to 1. Right. 
And it just, to me, that, I, look, I think Green Bay's not getting a They're the favorite, but they're a small favorite, right, overall. They're not getting a lot of respect either. Tennessee's so, not the favorite. They're not even the favorite in the they're AFC. They're not even the favorite. They're At not. least Green Bay's, the, as a one seed, is the That's favorite what, in the NFC. Tennessee is not. Right. All right. Thank you, Chuck. Good luck, and we'll talk next week. All right, brother. See you guys. Chuck Todd, 70, 61, and 1. If you bet with him every time, you are guaranteed of making money this year. Guaranteed? Yes. That's pretty good. Jeff Ma the same way. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, and not Jeff Ma, it'd be enough. But we give you a monkey, a sad monkey at this point. <laughs> One and two again, but a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's Sing going along, to people. the zoo, zoo, zoo. zoo Reginald's zoo. got the bites. Bites. Sometimes he throws the poo, 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 poo. he's had too much Johnny Walker Johnny Walker, Walker Blue. <laughs> Now, Reginald doesn't – he was 1-2. and two, He's 26-31. and 31. He's got a chance still. There are seven games left. Yes. He's got a chance of getting to 500. But it has not been an auspicious run no, down the stretch. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to bet them all or not. He doesn't have to. Uh, he's going to take them all. He's going to take them all. Um, but just to let you know, I went down to the National Zoo, uh, as I love to do, to go see what he was doing, go over these, these matches with him. Uh, and he was very busy, as he often is, making ice sculptures with his chainsaw. I didn't know if you, you knew he had this skill. I don't know that I would allow a monkey with a chainsaw. It seems a bit dangerous, but then you see what he's able to produce. He did a, a brilliant Venus de Milo. He had the Thinker by Rodin. And you'll be especially pleased. I think he did this as a custom job. He had a huge one of Chessie with five Frisbees in her mouth. There you go. So that one seemed to be a big hit with the crowd. But he took, put the chainsaw down, thankfully, uh, and came over to chat with me about these matches. First one we gave him, uh, in order as you did, uh, Cincinnati getting three and a half. I don't want to know that he's picking against Chuck Todd four times. I don't want to know that. Well, he... <laughs> well, it is Reginald versus Chuck Todd, right? Well, I understand, but, I mean, Reginald should, should read the writing on the wall and every once in a while go with Chuck Todd. Maybe he feels like Chuck's due for a bad week. You know, he ought to know because he's had a lot of bad weeks. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, uh, this first match, he showed me a photograph of him at, at Skyline Chili yeah, with Johnny Bench, Jerry, Jerry Springer, you know, the former mayor yeah. of, of Cincinnati. Cincinnati. So he likes Joe Burrow and, uh, and the Bengals. Getting there. it five ways. Yes. <laughs> That's right. You can, can't you? Yeah. Uh, the next match we gave him was Green Bay giving six, hosting San Francisco. This was a big disagreement. Uh, he really does love Green Bay. You think, why does he do that? Why does he have those feelings? He showed me an old video clip. It was actually a film clip of him diagramming a play for Vince Lombardi. There you go. Saying there's a, a seal, seal here and a seal there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Clearly got ties to Green Bay. He will take them. I, you know, I, that match could go either way. That's a lot of points, as you both talked about. Now, the next one we gave him was uh, Tampa Bay at home giving three versus the Rams. You'll be very excited about this. He apparently is filming a reboot of the TV show BJ and the Bear, that legendary show, one of the greatest shows of all time. It wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't Cheers. <laughs> it was a trucker and a monkey. Yeah, it wasn't Cheers. <laughs> well, anyways, he will be reprising the role as Bear. By the way, do you know who Bear was named after, the monkey Bear? No. Bear Bryant. I That's where the that. inspiration for that is. Rob Gunkowski will take over the role as BJ, so he likes Tampa in that match, giving the three at home. And this last one, uh, Kansas City uh, at home giving two to the Bills. And uh, he just showed me in a flapjack eating contest with Marv Levy, Andre Reed, and Thurman Thomas. That tells me he so likes he's the just, Bills. So he's just going the opposite of Chuck Todd. Seems I mean, to it's be. It's not even an, it's, you know, like there's no integrity in that. 
<laughs> right? There's no integrity of that. You're even for a monkey. You're challenging the integrity of Reginald, the long-standing integrity of Reginald? No, he's just, just going opposite. He's going, as we say in baseball now, oppo. <laughs> he's going oppo. Well, we'll see how this works out for him. All right. I think he's making a mistake. <laughs> All four. All right, we will take a break. Uh, email and jingle when we return. Yes. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. One, two, three, four. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Mr. Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of your folks. We played that yesterday. Yes, Greg Rosendahl and Lindsey Merrill. We liked it. We liked it so much we played it again. It's, it's rare to repeat like that. It is. Um, it's a good job out of you because <laughs> you sense that people liked it. Yes. You want to talk about Bethesda Bagels? Yes, people love Bethesda Bagels uh, as well, and so do we. You will, too. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Just That'll... remember, it's Reginald versus That's right. Chuck Todd. <laughs> That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say Saturday in the park, I think it was the 4th of July. People dancing, people laughing, a man selling ice cream, singing Italian songs. I believe that, I know that's Chicago, but I believe they actually sing in Italian at various points they in do. that song. Yes, they, they do. do that. They were a very good group. And I saw Chicago and the Beach Boys together once in I Madison always, Square Garden. I always really forget good. the original name was Chicago. Chicago Tra Transit Authority. That's right. That's yeah. right. And then yeah. they just became Chicago. Wilbon loves them. What? Shocking. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd and Sally Jenkins. Thanks to today's sponsor, sponsors, Indochino and True Bill. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. From Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd, in Columbus, Ohio. I mentioned some years back that I am the arena host for the Columbus Blue Jackets of the NHL. This means I host in-game events with fans during commercial timeouts, etc. At our most recent game, I was approached by Dave, one of our ushers. He asked, are you the Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd, who sometimes writes into the Tony Kornheiser show? Indeed I am, I responded. We had a great laugh and a hearty lachiserie, connective tissue indeed. Not a David Aldridge moment, but rather a David the Usher moment. From Dennis McCann in Bayfield, Wisconsin. For Christmas, I got one of those fancy toasters you were pushing for a while, but I can't find the buttons for heat and massage. <laughs> Can you help? The DVL. It's the DVL. <laughs> got to get that. From Mark Birnbaum. First time, long time. I'm an alum of Hewlett High School in Binghamton, just like me, and played tennis at both schools. This was back in the day when a, a kid could play college sports. In other words, Division Three, baby. <clears throat> not too much interest in our tennis team around campus back in the 80s. It's not like the students were running around breathlessly asking, how did we do against Oneonta or Lemoyne? Have loved your show for years, particularly all the Long Island and Binghamton references. Keep up the good work. Mark Birnbaum in LA. Isn't that nice? That is lovely. Very nice. From Ed Butt, a Chicagoan who now lives in Frankfort, Michigan. You have noted how much snowfall you can handle without distress. In my observation, each city has an amount of snow that it can deal with, but above that amount is a complete disaster. For Atlanta, of course, that amount is zero inches. <laughs> Chicago can handle seven inches with a plum, but eight inches shuts the city down, and it seems to me that Milwaukee can handle a foot, but 13 inches does it in. So while Wilbon will, of course, deny it, had the ice-snow event that hit Virginia a couple of weeks ago occurred in Chicago, there would have been people stuck in their cars for many hours on Lakeshore Drive and the Kennedy Expressway, just like happened on I-95. That said, Jane Byrne was elected mayor of Chicago because during one huge snowstorm, her predecessor, Michael Bolandic, urged everyone to simply hunker down and then released a picture of himself and his socialite wife sipping hot cocoa in front of a fireplace in their lakefront cooperative. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, millions of the citizens of Chicago, i.e. the voters, were marooned for many hours in their cars, um, on the L cars and on the expressway. It's from Ed Butt. P.S. Boulder, Colorado doesn't even bother to plow its streets. Why? Because everyone drives a Subaru. <laughs> from Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Michael, I find dumping the contents of a 16-ounce jar of Duke's mayonnaise into the rice generally does the trick. <laughs> P.S. If this makes the pod, it will be the 10th time you've read one of my emails on the show. That would be one more mail read than the number of sockets in my kitchen. Unsure about what that says. Oh, you about. might get that crispy rice. Yeah. <laughs> From Scott Jerome in Fairbanks, Alaska. In high school, I applied for a job at an authentic Japanese restaurant in Bellevue, Washington. Well, it seemed authentic to me, but what did I know? I was 17. When I got the job, I pictured myself serving platters of sushi to well-to-do shoppers at the upscale mall where the restaurant was located. Alas, no. On my first day, I was placed in front of an industrial stainless steel sink and instructed on the proper way to wash the rice. Wash the rice. That was my job. <laughs> period. The water was so cold that my right hand would turn crimson after only a few minutes. I don't recall draining the rice or scooping the rice. I just remember my numb hand wobbling, bottom to top, left to right in the frigid basin. It was like looking for lost car keys in 24 inches of fresh snow. I lasted two weeks. What a rumdum. When I quit, the manager insisted I stay for a complimentary sushi platter after my last shift. I was totally embarrassed. What a punk I was. I made it only two weeks, but maybe that was 10 days longer than the previous guy. Regardless, I know how to wash rice. Lessons for life. What's the wrong way? From, well, it didn't work for him. From Rory Kimberlin in Gardner, Maine. Here's how I cook rice. Rip Uncle Ben's. It's not Uncle Ben's anymore. It's Ben's. Oh, that's right. Envelope open three quarters of the way. Microwave for 90 seconds. Put in bowl with far too much butter and eat it all myself. <laughs> Big fan of the roasted chicken and garden vegetable flavors. P.S. Tell Matt Mullen I finally read the Christmas card, so eat it. Only touch, only touch the cool side. Yes. yes. Scalding. Don't. No. Yo, the open side. Don't go near the open side on the pouch. No. Don't. Third degree. Bro. Jay Yander in Old Forge, Pennsylvania, near Scranton off I-81. I know it well. All this talk about cooking rice had me thinking about hard-boiled eggs. When do you add the eggs? Before the water boils or after. No, the eggs are there at the beginning. Yes. You boil the eggs and the water at the same but time. But how to peel? That's the real question. The peeling, the ice sometimes helps and sometimes hurts. It's hard to know. Mike Corey in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Based on all the emails, it seems that all of your listeners have outlets in their kitchen. The true connective tissue of the show never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> P.S. Jason Lock and Fora is the best. It and he'll be on Friday, we hope. From Pierre in Carborough, North Carolina. Or from Brad Weiss. Which outlet do you use in to plug, your, plug in your coolerator? <laughs> coolerator is such a great word. It really is. Adam LaPera in Haymarket, Virginia. I have 20 outlets in my kitchen. Eat it. I don't know if he has 20. Again, how yeah. big is his kitchen? Right. Like Michael tried to sneak in the family room. <laughs> right? Yeah, John. we're going to need clarification on that one. From John Murray in South Beach. 14 varieties of pasta? Pisher. I have 14 varieties of flour. There's a woman that you paid for her education to tell you if I'm missing any. One all-purpose. Two strong bread. Three high gluten. Amazing ciabatta. Four extra fine zero zero pizza. Necessary yeah, for a Neapolitan. Cero, cero. Five, French with correct <laughs> mineral context. Six, semolina. Seven, rice. Eight, potato. Nine, almond. Ten, rye. Eleven, whole wheat. Twelve, cake. Thirteen, regular pizza flour with Durham and the AP blend. And fourteen, self-rising. I'd invite Jeannie for some of my pizza, but she might burst into flames under the tropical sun and her all-black wardrobe. <laughs> P.S. If you read this... 
please tell John Wiener in Cincinnati to eat it. I have another email read, and he's still on the bagel. <laughs> and one more from Earl Brewer, the owner and director of Virginia Elite Lacrosse. Here's one for you. Last week, I had to go to Tyson's Corner Mall. I know, I know. What are you, nuts going to a mall during COVID? But I had to pick up my new glasses, and I knew I could get in and out in minutes. On the way back to my car, an older woman rolled down her window and asked where I was parked and if she could have my spot. Of course, I said. I'm just in the next row. The lady driving a nice BMW X5, I might add, follows me, puts on her turn signal, and waits while I get in my car. As I begin to back out, a young punk comes speeding up in the other direction, puts on his turn signal, and begins to nudge forward into the spot. I roll down my window, and I say, hey, the lady was here first, and she's getting the spot. Thus, the standoff begins. I then pull forward back into the spot and get out of my car, and I tell the young lad, I'm not moving until you leave and let the lady have the spot. He rolls down his window and says, well, I guess I'll wait. I look at him and say, hey, Sparky, I'm old. I got nothing but time, and I got cash, Holmes. After about 10 minutes, he realizes he has no chance against a stubborn and crotchety old man. He pulls away. For $10,000 and a trip to Costa Rica, you want to guess what kind of car he was driving? That's it. A Subaru. You can't make this stuff up. Has you're to be out- outside the Nordstrom's. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear what? Come on now. That means everybody just cool out. Will you cool out, everybody?